Welcome to Tashi Station Radio, where we sell power converters, talk about X-Wing. Still no power converters? Guess we're going to talk about X-Wing. I'm Matt New. I'm Doug Howe. Alex Smittle. Still Alex Smittle. All right, let's talk about some X-Wing. Guys, uh, we've uh, taken a short break, but we've come back, and there's actually been some uh, news, both uh, general Star Wars-related and X-Wing-related. It's been a pretty busy week in that. Yeah. So, yeah. About two weeks ago, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, they Electronic Arts released the previews for Star Wars Squadron, what looks to be an awesome uh, five-on-five multiplayer uh, starship battle thing, almost like it's uh, aimed right at our areas of interest. Uh, so the concept is amazing. I am still tempering any expectations because of the EA label. But Yeah, like I... My thing that... in general about video games is I believe them when I see them. Yeah. I tend not to get hyped for video games in general. Now, I'll admit, I really liked Battlefront 2. I thought the story was excellent. The thing I hated most about that game was the Starfighter piloting. <laughs> so I'm hoping this is a little more of the old uh, Rogue Squadron style and uh, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter than the, oh my god, how do I make an actual TIE Fighter turn? Yeah. That's the thing. Is when we played in, back in our Battlefront 2 days on the original Xbox, the strategy for space fighting was to fly your lat Lat, 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 into their ship and blow it up from the inside. True. <laughs> <laughs> you know, going back on that, going a little further back, we're talking like uh, almost a quarter century ago now. I actually bought my first computer, my first PC, so I could play X Wing versus Tie Fighter. So that yeah, I, uh, I have never played any of those. I think I watched my dad play a bit before our time. Dude. Yeah, yeah, they, they they were fun. Uh, that's. If you if you wonder why the assault gunboat has such a rabid following, that's that's the reason. Oh, yeah. And Merrick Steele in general. Yeah, Merrick Steele. Oh, uh, nobody loves Key and Farlander as much, which is a bummer. Justice <laughs> for Key and Farlander. Uh, justice for Ace Azamine, who hasn't even made his way into. We've got a better Azamine already. <laughs> uh, <laughs> FFG sent out some news for us, though. Uh, they did. Uh, Send out there through the semi-official Discord that there would be a points change dropping yesterday. Uh, and, then they lie. and then they lie. Uh, literally about 45 minutes before the expected drop date, they put out through the FFGOP Twitter, hey, uh, we're going to delay this until sometime in July. Uh, yeah. could have, there, there could have been some last-minute double-checking. My guess is a licensing issue. Uh, they do have to send those to Disney. Yeah, I did see on Gold Squadron a couple theories that they had, and one of them was that uh, there's probably delays due to, uh, or gosh, Jesus, words. There's probably been product delays for like Wave 7. Oh, uh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, and so they, they might be saving it for the Gen Con live stream that Gen Con is still doing, and they might do the points drop then. Okay, that, that would make some sense, because uh, by regular scheduling, we should have had the new wave of ships previewed by now. And that's generally when they, once you get the preview article for all the ships, we usually get the points uh, for them not long after that. So I think what with just the general state of the world, that's pushed a lot of things back. You're in no hurry to actually need those points anyway. The earliest possible event that could happen is Worlds in October. Like True. That is doubtful at best, unfortunately. I earned my ticket to Worlds. I'm sure you'll still have a ticket whenever they do Worlds. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. It's, yeah. If it has to be October 2021, my brother is getting married, so I can't be at Worlds then. <laughs> uh, he's getting married for, like, the whole month? Come on. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's getting married the same weekend Worlds will be. It's the second weekend in October. Tell your brother he can't slow play a wedding. <laughs> he, doesn't, he won't know what that means. He'll just call me weird and poor. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> it, 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 it is it, fair. <laughs> <laughs> in other news, uh, today, in fact, uh, that's being Tuesday as we record this, uh, the announced the Las Vegas Open 21 tickets are on sale. So if uh, you have nothing else planned for January of 2021... <laughs> Decent chance if it happens, I'll go, just for lack of having like no DeptCon, was considering Origins and Gen Con, and those yeah. were canceled. Just from lack of events, I might have to go to LVU. I yeah. can tell you, it was, it was a very fun experience, and uh, the... I just love the idea that 
Las Vegas gambling on six months from now being able to hold a major gaming event. <laughs> I'm always a little worried about getting hostiled in Vegas. I've never been to Vegas, but I'm assuming it's just like the movie Hostel. Uh, actually, Vegas is uh, Vegas is really interesting. Uh, I, as I may have mentioned, really love big cities. I grew up in Northern California, the the woods, the you know hillbilly country, and I said, "All right, I want to live in a city." Now that I do, I love it. Vegas should be great for me because Vegas is like the biggest city compacted into like a twelve square block area. It's just so much all the time. Oh, Ve- Vegas is chaos. But the event Las Vegas Open was just incredible. Got to see a lot of people. Uh, talked about it on the podcast, even about uh, thirteen. Episodes That's true. Ago. <laughs> that was yeah. that was right about our first episode, wasn't it? Around then, yeah. After that, yeah, yeah. First or second episode. So uh, it was a nice little blast from the past. Boom. What read our watch our episodes, listen to them. That's the word. Read them. <laughs> read, them. read our episodes. <laughs> I mean, we yeah. could post our show notes. They're gibberish. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Uh, on that note, actually, uh, if anybody is uh, listening to this and is really interested in transcripts of the show and you'd like to volunteer your services, uh, let us know. That's something that uh, we may want to provide. In the- well, one of the things that we have done there is reached out to our listeners through social media asking if uh, there was anything that they wanted us to cover during this you know, reasonably empty time. And uh, one of our listeners, Josh Weiss, asked us, how do you calculate wind conditions? Uh, really an interesting question because that's one of those things that comes out a lot like to new players wind condition sounds like weird jargon because it's not a term you find in the rules and it's kind of one of those vague things you need to learn about strategy so we're going to go into a little bit of that what it means and how to uh, calculate it one of the first things is actually going to the rule book how do you win a game of x-wing seems obvious but there's actually four ways that you can win a game the first is to destroy all your opponent's ships while still having some of yours left in the end phase. The least likely way to win a game of X-Wing. Uh, the second is have more points than destroyed than your opponent when time is called. Uh, you know, just get ahead on points and play for time. If you ask the community, this is a travesty. <laughs> True, but do you remember when this wasn't a thing? <laughs> I, no, mean, I mean, that was right before our time. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's always been a thing, like games. Other than the untime finals, <laughs> yeah, other than the untime finals, but yeah. uh, you can win a game by your opponent conceding, and True. you could you can win a game technically through an administrative victory, which means either your opponent drops after the round's been paired, uh, they get DQ'd, or you get a buy. Those all count as wins. Now, technically, as a player, you're not allowed to try and influence or work towards a concession or an administrative win. If you do, you're going to get disqualified because that's called collusion. So in other words, if you try to get a win through three or four, instead you're going to give your opponent a win through three or four. Is it really collusion if I drop a $20 bill that says, if you drop from the tournament, you can keep this $20 bill on it right in front of my opponent? Yes. Is that actually collusion? That that is literally almost the legal textbook definition, Alex. I mean... We didn't talk about it. <laughs> yes, right, that's collusion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which can lead to some very odd situations, such as you talk your opponent into dropping, he drops, and then someone finds out you talked him into doing it. You both lose that round. Also, why would you talk your opponent into dropping? Like, Aren't I can't see a context where that's not pretty douchey. Unless, it's, unless you're playing against the worst opponent in the world. In that case beat them anyway like you're yeah. there to play x-wing right yeah i will say the one time i played a six-round tournament only played one round of it was mostly a waste of time <laughs> that's true but you did get you did make your way to worlds that i did get a worlds event but man <laughs> did i have played one round of that six rounds you just had to sit around for literally eight hours doing nothing to get a world's invite it took four hours after my first win and first and only win of that hyperspace qualifier you basically got a world's ticket, ticket doing the equivalent of one of those old radio contests of who can keep their hand on the car the longest. Pretty much, but me and three other people did the exact same thing due to the error of them not putting us in at 1-0, and o, just putting us in at 1. I so, had a great time during that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I got to play Secret Hitler. The whole time. We could have gotten home four hours earlier. <laughs> but yeah, so what they did with the tournament is when they added the people who lost in top 16 after round one, they just put us in as one win instead of one win and zero losses. So we got paired down. 
mm-hmm. or every round. Which was kind of ridiculous. Which, but the uh, the what it boils down to is that to win the game of X-Wing, at the end of the game or when the game is determined to be over, you need to have destroyed more points than your opponent. Uh, a win condition... Definitely 200. Yeah, a win condition literally is how you get from point A being the start of the game when you know your opponent and what they're flying to point B, destroying more points than them. I say in the simplest terms, it's kill them before they kill you. Indeed, but some of that actually comes from before the game starts. I'm in list building. Okay. Which we'll get to, but... Well, uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, it. Yeah, Alex, uh, how does list building affect your win condition? Well, different lists have different win conditions. Um, let's let's talk one point now. There's Ghost okay. Fen, and there's the Miranda Lorick Ego list with a third ship, usually Stress Ezra. These were the good times. Um, <laughs> they had two very different win conditions. The Ghost Fen's win condition was to kill everything by being stupid. <laughs> and the egos egos win condition was to kill enough points that you Miranda... by being stupid. Yes, but slightly differently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was equally dumb. But your goal wasn't to kill all of their list. Your goal was to kill enough of their list that your unkillable Miranda um, outpointed them, and you won on time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and the equivalent kind of, of like a hundred and ten point Miranda that was yeah, it was a, impossible. Mine at world figure was fifty six points. Yeah, to beat the other to beat the mirror match, which I saw none of. Big sad. Two dashes, though. Let's see, one of a 112-point Miranda? Yes. Yeah. Alright, so when we talk about building a list with a win condition in mind, you, know, you pointed out that there are different ways you get to that point B. Ways you get to destroy more points than your opponent. Uh, Doug, what are some examples of how you put a list together towards a specific win condition? In general, it's not putting a li- building a list towards a condition. It's building a list and taking your win condition from that. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's definitely better. I won't, well, so it can go either way. Um, if you know your if you know your playstyle, then your win condition could be outlasting other ships in an in-game state. So then you would list build into an A-centric list. Um, but in like general, that. yeah. Uh, but in general, you want to build the list and then find the win condition from there. Um, especially because I think most good lists don't have just one win condition; they have multiples. Um, but for example, uh, if you take the the droid swarm, uh, its win condition is going to be to outjust things. Uh, okay. P- playing to the strengths of the list. Yeah, exactly. Like you you wanna you wanna figure out what your list's strengths are and play towards that. Um, I mean, any meta list has a pretty clear win condition in it. Um, for example, if you are flying that droid swarm, you're not going to approach your win condition by staying at range three and sniping through rocks. Correct, yeah. Well, and you're not going to spread them all out and engage in a bunch of little mini fights. You want mm-hmm. you want everybody to engage at the same time and concentrate fire and use your overwhelming firepower to, to win the match. Okay. Uh, Alex, you mentioned some 1.0 lists, uh, specifically the one you brought to Worlds in 2018. The one I brought to Worlds in 2018 was similar, but it was more based around a gimmick. It was based around just nonstop stressing out the opponent. And while that was a gimmick, that wasn't in itself a win condition. It was how the list not so much achieved its win condition, but tried to prevent my opponent from achieving theirs. And that didn't work as well as some more focused lists like the Ghost Fen or the Ego. Uh, it did really good at shutting those two particular lists down. But having a gimmick is not the same thing as having a good win condition for your list. And uh, one thing, if I can talk about, like, so my fan and six mining guild size list is kind of win condition agnostic. Um, it really depends on what the other list is um, before its win condition. Right. Like, it's a re- it's a reactive list. So if I'm up against a jousting list. My goal is to trade the TIE Fighters for as much as possible and let Fen clean up. But if I'm up against a, like a list with an ace that will beat Fen in the endgame, my goal is to trade Fen for that ace and win with the TIE Fighters afterwards. Because if their ace costs more, I'm up on points with the TIE Fighters. Six TIE Fighters takes forever to chew through. They kill things quickly. That's my win condition in that kind of matchup. Okay, that's a, that's a really good skill there is recognizing what it will take to win. 
If it's so, against Boba Fett, if it's against Boba Fett, the win condition is put two crits on him and draw damage engine structural damage. <laughs> That's what I did in Texas, and it was the best win condition. I hit pause with difficulty and changed it to easy. <laughs> that is the best win condition. Just just outluck your opponent. <laughs> better Easier. to be lucky than good. I mean, better be lucky and good, but... <laughs> yeah. Now, your win condition, for example, you mentioned building lists that play to your style. Uh, as we've repeated a few times, I like jousty lists. So when I look at a list, one of my first things is, what will let me put as much red dice on things and just annihilate them through sheer firepower as I can? Uh, one of the first things I remember doing when 2nd Edition came out was through a bunch of Interceptors, Strikers, and a Sloan Lambda in a list, and just beat things through sheer firepower. And that was fun, but there's not a lot... That, that wasn't a list that came with a win condition other than shoot everything, which, let's, let's be frank, it's a win condition, but it's kind of like the simplest, you know, caveman version of the game. It didn't have any strategy to it, and a list like that is really hard to be reactive with, like Alex, you were saying with your Fen and Six Mining Guild ties, because you're very limited in what you can do with it. This is what makes some of the, uh, like the Thai salad list that was popular for a hot minute, uh, really good, because lists that can do a little bit of everything at maybe an A minus, B plus level, but they can do a little bit of everything, are often list that'll do better that can adapt their win condition than a list that does just one thing better than everybody else because when that list comes up against a bad matchup it's just going to get rolled yeah so it allows for a lot of sweet skill expression as well yeah and that goes into the importance of turn zero like once you've made your list and you've identified your potential win conditions like when you hit turn zero and you actually see your opponent's list that's when you have to decide what win condition you're actually going to go for so, like in the the Thai salad example, it's not going to out joust most things, but every once in a while you hit a list that you can just you know honorably joust with, and if you correctly identify that, that's the easiest way to win. It's just line up and joust. Uh, but most of the time, you're gonna have to identify what key components of your opponent's list you need to take out so that you can close out a game with a, a list like that that isn't quite doesn't quite fit any archetype, uh, but is decent at everything. If I can hijack again to talk about my Fen and Six Mining Guild Ties list again, as far as the win condition goes, I played against Kylo five times in a row in Texas. <laughs> but um, I, I recognize that my TIE Fighters would never be able to kill Kylo. So mm-hmm. my goal, my win condition there for all of them except for the one where Doug torpedoed me to death, was to kill everything but Kylo. I know I'm not going to kill Kylo, but if I kill everything else, four Mining Guild Ties wins me the game on the board. And Kylo with one single shot. It's going to take a long time to burn through Fen and the Mining Guild ties. Mm-hmm. And it worked in all the games, but Doug. Yeah. And my list from Dallas is an example, which was, oh gosh, uh, Von Rig, Kylo, and uh, an I-1 Silencer. Yep. Uh, it didn't out-joust anything. Uh, it was an ace-based list, uh, but it had that weird I-1 in it. Uh, and so my win condition in almost every game was to bait with my 50-point Silencer and to get people to chase it around so that my aces could flank and harass them uh, and essentially trade up that 51 points every game and then use the mobility of my aces to stay ahead the rest of the game. Okay. Uh, An example just from last week, uh, I actually got to go into our local gaming store and play a game in person uh, for the first time in three months, being as uh, responsible and safe as we could, mask wearing and... uh, no no handshakes, no hugging, which kind of feels weird because X-Wing, we're a very tactile, uh, friendly yeah. bunch. And yeah. not not being able to uh, give your buddy a good pat on the back and a handshake before a game feel, feels weird. I cannot wait till we get back to those days if we do. Yeah. But, uh, and the, the people who hate dice sharing finally have a good excuse. There you go. Ooh, now you have a reason. Vindication! <laughs> so uh, our matchup was he was flying the four X-Wing list, Luke, Thane, and two selfless Red Squadron veterans. I was flying four CLT Jedi Knights and then broadside with Ion Cannon and Hull Upgrade. So he gave me the initiative. So I had to move first, set up rocks first. And I looked at it, this, and I thought, this is where turn zero comes in. We talked last week about uh, formation flying and why a list that has things like selfless, where you are range-restricted on your ships, 
is going to want to stay in a formation. And with X-Wings, that's actually pretty good because you can generally put 12 dice worth of attacks on one enemy ship. And with X-Wings, that can be pretty freaking accurate. So I knew that my opponent was going to try and keep his ships in formation. My solution to that was to set up the rocks as much as I could in the middle of the board and then force him to take that block of ships through them. Thus, my win condition was more of reducing the efficiency and purpose of his list and then hoping once I started getting the advantage, it would snowball from there, which is often really easy to do when you have more ships. Because when you outnumber your opponent, even with inferior ships, that advantage can snowball faster than anything else. So my win condition with that was just to hopefully get the initial jump on him and then just dogpile. Mm-hmm. And it, it worked because... Uh, one thing X-Wings don't do very well is point at a bunch of rocks at range 2 when you have literally no bailout. And that was, uh, that, that was uh, I wouldn't call it necessarily a win condition, but it was, it was a nice little bear trap. But that's who, really was, uh, who was first player in your game? Uh, I was. Okay. I was going to say, if, if he was first player, I don't know if he has a real win condition in that matchup. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's true, because uh, when our initiatives, I had five ships at initiative 3. He had two ships at three, two ships at five, meaning that Luke and Thane always had not perfect, but good board knowledge of where to be. But like we mentioned uh, in our last episode, they're locked to range one of the other two ships. And when I got to move all my more agile ships and broadside first, then that let me set up a bunch of angles of fire to where there was no way that whole block was going to get shots on more than one ship at a time. Mm-hmm. And I tried as many times as I could to make that a range three obstructed shot. So that turn zero there, when I looked at that and I realized that I could use the board configuration, having more agile ships, ships that could double reposition and didn't have any reason to stay within formation of each other, my win condition suddenly became spread things out, go after him, pick them off one at a time. Uh, if I had been flying a different list, say uh, uh, Dash and two B-Wings, I'd have just straight up tried to joust him and trust in my red dice. Uh, um, I, I think that, that, that should be incorrect there. but Yeah, Dash and two B-Wings is a bad matchup, but uh, that right there is, again, a jousting list versus something like four X-Wings. I'd say my that one is... Like I think you identified your win conditions well there. Uh, for, coming from the other perspective, that one is a tough situation because four Jedi and broadside is a very unique list. Uh, it doesn't really fall into standard archetypes well. Um, so looking at it from your opponent's perspective, uh, it's tough because this list does generally want to box up because of the selfless there, but it might have been correct to at least pair off instead. Um, the, know, that's an th- interesting thought exercise of what his correct win conditions would be. And I had an actual thought about that because, uh, and this is where we've talked about how damage passing with things like bigs and selfless is a really underrated mechanic. Mm-hmm. When your yes. opponent is throwing mostly two die attacks, damage passing, especially crit passing, becomes much less likely. Selfless never activated that entire game. Yeah, it's a lot I, more variable. Uh, and when you're dealing with a lot of small attacks and things like selfless are less likely to trigger, you can abandon the idea of staying in formation. And that would have been a much better uh, for him, I believe, had he decided to split split his forces, try and get my guys isolated, just maybe take you know Luke and go right after uh, Broadside or something to throw me off my game. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if I were that player in that situation, and I think at a minimum I might just do Luke flank with the other three together. Um, like Selfless didn't trigger in your game, but on average over the course of a game, it will still trigger once or twice. Absolutely. I played uh, I played against him with the Focho, and it triggered enough to keep Luke alive. Yeah, Selfless is the only thing that kept Luke alive through the eight Tie Fighter shots. Right. right. Uh, yeah, but again, you were throwing an average of sixteen dice versus my ten. But still, two die attacks, though. Yeah, but getting back to the point I was making is because he was second player, you were first player, all four of his ships can react to what you're doing. 
Uh, so you don't want to be in a strict block formation because it it kind of nullifies that advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, you do still want to get some value out of selfless. Uh, so I definitely wouldn't fly Luke with all of them. I might do two and two, but even like a three one, I think would be okay. Uh, but the point being, you're not going to just line up and joust him. Therefore, him just trying to line up and joust something doesn't work. Right. Uh, so he kind of wants to play... He's playing into your game a little bit of spreading out, uh, but it gives him a lot more flexibility. And X-Wings aren't extremely mobile, but they do have barrel roll to at least avoid bullseyes or get out of an arc here or there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually leads us into another factor that we want to talk about. Uh, Mike Tyson once said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yeah. So you can start out your game with a great idea in your head, and then suddenly, boom, you're down a ship, and your situation has changed. Uh, being able to adapt to a changing wind condition is a skill you need to learn as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's probably the most difficult thing to just try and explain because it's so situationally dependent. Pretty uh, holistic. Yeah. But... In general, uh, so to take an example that I'm sure Smittle doesn't want to relive, but our oh, game from Dallas. Uh, so his plan, a 20-minute video, guys. Yeah, <laughs> his plan originally was to kill Von Rigg and the Silencer and lose as little as possible in return and just try to, to outlive Kylo. Uh, unfortunately, pretty, pretty early on to that game, uh, Kylo said no to that plan and murdered Finn. Von Red uh, got past the tie formation yeah. as well. Um, so unfortunately, in the in the context of that specific game, I think it was just a little out of hand at that point. Oh yeah. Um, but if positioning is a little different uh, from there on, the best course of action for him might have been to go. The odds are terrible, but my best win condition is just to try and kill Kylo. Like I have mm-hmm. maybe next turn I can set up three or four shots on him, and if I get lucky, I get into the hole, and from there, you know, we see what happens. But the point is even though his original plan is to ignore Kylo the entire time, because Fen falls so early, he might need to adapt his plan and do something completely different. Uh, specifics of that game didn't really allow that. Due to the right. Thing. Yeah, it was but in general, yes, Doug's point stands. Yeah, one um, of the things I do when I go into a situation like that is if I'm you know, right before that first turn of combat, uh, I always take a little bit longer in the planning phase because... I end up thinking, okay, what if I intend to go into combat here and he bails out and I'm in a bad position? For example, you know, I'm going to be able to have all five of my ships in combat. What happens if I lose broadside before I get to shoot? Mm-hmm. Uh, that changes everything from target selection to uh, where do I want to be next turn? Do I want to use my mods on offense? Uh, everything needs to adapt as your situation changes. Because I lose broadside, and suddenly I have 107, 156 points of a list instead of 200. Mm-hmm. And that just became a much different math equation. Because once you're down on points, your priorities have to be a lot different. You not only have to survive the game, you have to come back and fight harder. When you're up on points, that's not to say, hey, I'm up on points. I'm going to do nothing but run away and, you know, play defensively that is a strategy but the best defense is always still a good offense you Mm -hmm. can lose a game to a range three obstructed shot on the last turn that puts you behind on points and it's happened to me more than once when i've tried to go up and run away it'll bite you absolutely that's kind of that point of running away um that's not a strategy i like to use just running when i'm up on points what i like to try to do is engage on my own terms yeah because if i can force engagements or even faint engagements with my piece even though i'm up on points it can make them play defensively and play worse and have a hard time getting good shots on me than if they're just chasing me yeah, that's a bit of a tangent, but uh, just running is actually generally kind of a mistake uh, because Indeed. you are relieving any pressure whatsoever you have on your opponent. Exactly. Like, that was the point them, I was trying to make. Right, yeah. Doug but you're giving better. them 100% free reign to position exactly how they want. Like, if if you make it clear that all you're going to do is run, then they can just stop chasing you for a turn or two, regroup, and then come at you in a way that you can't escape. Cut you off on the inside. Yeah. For example, if I'm left with just my 44-point oddball, or not oddball. Uh, uh, re! <laughs> never, never be left with a 44-point oddball. If I'm left with my 44-point broadside and my opponent has a 52-point Sunterfell, he could run away and I would never be able to catch him. 
but there's always the chance that I make the right move and he makes the wrong move and I get a shot off. And if I get half points on him with a lucky shot, suddenly I'm up on points and it's a lot harder for him to kill me than it is for me to get that last one damage on him. And things have changed. Uh, Alex, well, and to put it into a different context with your broadside versus Sunterfell, if you know for a fact that Sunterfell is just going to like five straight boost barrel roll away and like there's no way you're going to get a good shot. Uh, instead, you could do something weird like three bank in a direction there's no way you'll ever have a shot on him, but you'll get in range to pick up a free target lock. Mm-hmm. And then he runs again, and so the next turn you do like a three hard or a four straight where you're stressed, and it's a garbage shot, but hey, you still got a shot for free. If instead he keeps constantly engaging on his own terms, he's forcing you to play safe to make sure you have that focus, to make sure that you have the highest chance to get arc on him. Mm-hmm. things like that like you you're actually limiting their options whenever you play not aggressively but engaged with engaged them. on your own terms yeah. right and you mentioned that alex engage on your own terms uh in martial arts such as jujitsu and krav maga there's a lot of training where you start in a disadvantageous position you're going to start with your opponent in the mount you're going to start on the ground with three guys kicking you how do you react to this situation mm-hmm. and That's honestly a good way to practice is look at your list and go, what is my worst case scenario here? For me, it's having broadside be my only ship left on the field. How do I deal with this? And while training until you can win from the worst case scenario is not a realistic outcome, uh, being familiar with it and not letting it put you on tilt or uh, making you lose faith in your list is a skill that we all have to learn. It's very easy to get discouraged when you fall behind and suddenly think, oh, you've taken out the linchpin of my list. I can't win. I've had people concede games when they were up on points (laughs) because I suddenly destroyed the key to their win condition as they saw it. And, uh, call me out like that (laughs) uh one more point to that is like let's say you get into just a a terrible situation and like in normal situations that would just be like a five percent win percentage if you have confidently identified win positions even if it only pushes it up to a 10 percent win percentage like that's that's noticeable improvement and the more you do that the more often you'll squeak out wins that you shouldn't have i take those vegas odds yeah um behind is probably a topic we could spend another whole episode about it is yeah mm-hmm. As I, to uh to backtrack a little bit um going into like whenever you find yourself in a situation you didn't expect uh a lot of identifying how to correct that also comes from turn zero uh so in the example of you have the four jedi and broadside against uh let's say the the vader whisper soon tier list that's the or what uh pocknell's list what was it uh, yeah, Grand Inquisitor Whisper. Whisper. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe not with your specific matchup, but looking at that list versus whatever list you're playing, you need to identify which of those three ships is the most important thing to take off the board. All of them. Yes. But okay. Maybe this is the best list because yeah, because all three of them are are disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's look at like a a soon tier and six ties. Okay. Uh, most of the time, soon tier is what you want to take off the board. But you we don't want to ever turn your back on six ties. Correct. Uh, but so you have to identify correctly which ship is most important to take off the board. Because if you find yourself in a situation where things didn't go as expected, you still need to know where to turn to to catch back up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something you kind of like, it seems obvious. But if it's not something you actively think about and you get into that losing position, you can end up being kind of lost as to what to do next. True. Absolutely. So to go into. Josh's initial question, how do I recognize a win condition? It goes to our uh, pretty much the three facets we looked at. Uh, when you build your list, figure out how you want to win that game. Uh, when you go into turn zero, look at the board state, figure out how you can set up to where you have an idea in your head of what you're going to do. And then midway through, be willing to change that plan as factors change. Yeah, so I'd like to, to go into a little more detail, I'd say... For list building, you want to identify what your list's strongest general win conditions are. Like, are you leaning towards ace play? Are you leaning towards jousting? Uh, are you an alpha strike list? You know, whatever. When it comes to turn zero, it should be a little more specific. Like, what what should I do to win against this specific list? Mm-hmm. You know, where should I set up? Yada, yada. And then mid to late game reassessing is going to vary widely. But 
but all three are equally important. If I can make a checklist, step one is identify the strongest win condition for your list. Mm-hmm. Step two is at turn zero, identify if your best win condition beats their win condition, like beats what they can do similarly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like step three is to say if, oh, I can't outjoust them, what is my secondary win condition that can help me win? Yep. Yep. And a, a good example is my old classic, you know, block of B wings versus aces. I'm not going to out joust them because they're not going to be dumb enough to joust me. So I'm going to do like all good rebel players do and just one straight to victory and make them come to me on my terms. That's how that game thinks out. I don't get to do my ideal win condition. I look at turn zero and I adapt my plan to the enemy. Mm-hmm. So going back to my Kylo matchup with the Fen and Six Dies, um, my first game against Kylo, I didn't actually know ignore Kylo and kill everything else in my win condition. I went for Kylo first, and I ended up trading half a Fen for nothing. So from there, Kylo's behind my whole list. I'm like, okay, let's get those points back and kill everything else. And then from there, I end up with my half Fen surviving, and with half of a Fen and enough ties to beat just Kylo points wise at the end game. So I kind of accidentally fell into that win condition, but then it worked for the next three games. And to, uh, from the same Texas tournament, uh, trying to change my win condition, they miserably failed. Uh, in my game against Duncan Howard in the top eight, uh, I went with my standard win condition, which was to bait the silencer and try to get a flanking position with the other two. Uh, but I mispositioned, and I lost the silencer before I got into position. Uh, so uh, from there, I changed my win condition to I'm going to be as aggressive as humanly possible. I'm going to get shot at, but I am so far behind at this point, I have to lean into variance and hope that I just one-shot things. And it failed, but I still pretty firmly believe that once I'd lost the silencer, I made the right call. It just, that's, it's a very, very low chance of it working. That, that actually, right there, that moment you just described, that I have almost no wing condition. I'm in that 5% chance. I'm just going to kamikaze. When that works, it's one of the greatest feelings. Oh, it's amazing. That is the, you know, blind coming off the mat with a haymaker and connecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think what you'll find a lot of times what people do is instead of taking that 5 to 10% chance of winning, but maybe looking dumb when it fails, they'll go, I'm just going to play safe. I have like a 0.1% chance to win this game, but it'll take a while and I'll feel better about it. And uh, purple. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is not to say there is not a time and place to concede a game when it is obviously not going to be a thing. There are oh, reasons sure. where you well, might I was in the cut, so it was yeah. it was do or die. You have to poop really bad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I've hey. been there. Hey, that's why I conceded to Doug at the Texas tournament, because I had to poop really bad and was not going to win. <laughs> <laughs> so really that's uh you know, those are all skills that you really just learn through experience and practice. Practice uh, makes perfect, as they say. Yep. And not just to practice your list, to see what else is out there. Uh, it's been mentioned a few times that when I started playing X-Wing, I wasn't playing with the big local group. I was playing at a much smaller store with one or two regular opponents who like to always fly the same list. I was the only person who changed up my list weekly. So I got really good at flying against triple defenders and tie swarms. And when I actually started going, oh, I'm going to start going to tournaments. Let me start expanding my horizon and seeing what some of these other lists out there are, uh, seeing what the actual meta was. I got clobbered. I had no idea Dengar was that good back in the day. <laughs> good times. And so, but that's just it. Uh, I was taking my list, and you guys remember when I was just this, you know, clumsy flying, running over rocks, you know, hey, I can make the Punisher work in 1.0, guy, that, uh, spoiler, I could not. The being able to actually see what went out there and what worked when Doug won the Omaha Regional with a Rack Echo list and came back that very next Monday, I was like, show me how this works. I don't understand it. And that's where I started to wrap my brain around the idea of, oh, you don't just fly straight at your opponent and shoot them with everything in every matchup. So it's experience. Uh, learn from the people you play. If you are at a tournament and you might have a round off with a buy or you've ended a game early, go watch some of the other games. Look at some of the uh, players who might be at the top tables flying a list that you haven't seen or aren't familiar with. And in between rounds, not during a game, but don't be afraid to approach people and ask them, hey, 
how do you approach this situation? Most players are really happy to talk about how their list works. It's like our favorite thing to do. <laughs> also, um, one thing that Doug and I do is we each will take turns playing the medalists against each other's potential tournament list for practice, yeah. which helps the other one of us, the one playing the medalists, understand the medalists so much better. And like, we're lucky that we live together and we both like X-Wing. But if you can find a like a hardcore practice partner where you guys can switch off flying the medalists into your real list, that's a really great way to practice for a big tournament. And it doesn't even have to be more than, you know, two or three times before you get something meaningful out of it. Obviously, the more you can do it, the better. But uh, but you don't have to put in 20, 30 reps with a list you don't want to play. Just, just play it once or twice to get yeah. a feel for it, mm-hmm. to get a little more understanding of what its win conditions are, which gives you a much better idea of how to play around those. Like the crossroads I won in 2019, um, I built my list the night before with two practice games from Doug. Doug played two different lists against me to practice, just to see how it would go, and it went well. And like that was enough for me to understand my list and what it needed to do to win games. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So hopefully uh, that answered that question and kind of gave our readers a readers. God, why don't you say that? Our listeners a <laughs> put out a magazine. There you go. We should. Print is dead. Uh, Long not if you ask my uh, clients at work. <laughs> but if anybody has any additional questions about it, like it is a, it is kind of a, like it's a specific idea, but there is a lot to it. So I'm sure we very, didn't cover everything. Very holistic as well. Like yeah. um, the biggest thing really is to practice and to just have a great understanding of the game in general, but specifically the list you're flying in the context of practicing for a major tournament. Um, yeah, nothing is going to help you more with finding your win condition or preventing somebody else's win condition than just having as many reps as possible with your list. Yeah, and don't try and make your list be something it's not. If you're going to fly five A wings, don't box formation joust with them. That's just not going to work. True. So, uh, well, we, we talked about uh, what few things we have upcoming with the – COVID and everything, tournaments have, uh, in-person tournaments haven't been a thing. And it looks like most of the upcoming store championship season is going to be heavily delayed, but we could have some extended tournaments coming out there soon. Uh, those that aren't canceled, Worlds might be our next big tournament. I think so, it is. Yeah. The uh, wonderful folks out at the uh, Gold Squadron podcast had put on the Space Jam series of tournaments a series of tournaments on Tabletop Simulator that were kind of like a World Grand Prix of X-Wing. I believe they took place over uh, three or four weeks and were kind of a... uh, ran it just like an actual tournament. This is the time the round starts. You have 75 minutes. Everybody's in a common Discord that ran a timer. It was, I believe, the first time anybody had run of that scale an actual virtual live tournament. Yeah. I believe it, it sounded like it worked really well. I say, unfortunately, this was peak of me not taking a break X-Wing. from X-Wing. Yeah, so I yeah. didn't pay too much attention to it. But everything I've heard is that it went it went remarkably well. Uh, we had uh, one of our uh, local people, uh, Mike, did reasonably well in it. I didn't jump in on it because I just can't get my brain around Tabletop Simulator. Don't like Tabletop Simulator. Bye. But one of, one of the things we were able to glean out of it from uh, the... Uh, first three of the Space Jams was that there's actually somewhat of a meta uh, still in Extended, and its name is Octarcon. <laughs> Octarcon out of Australia managed to, uh, I believe he's out of Australia, is that correct? I, yeah, that's, that's I don't correct. know. Somewhere in the Antipodes uh, managed to place in the cut or top 16 of all three tournaments with his scum list, and that's one of those where it's it's a good list, but he's a really good player and knows that list well. So if you can find uh, some of those tabletop simulator games on the Gold Squadron page, watch them because that's a prime example of knowing your win condition. But looking at it, uh, in the top eight cut of the three tournaments, the breakdown of it was that the Rebels faction made two appearances in the top eight. Empire had two top eight, one top four, one top two, and one win. Scum had five lists in the top eight, three that made top four, one that won a tournament. Resistance, two that made top eight, two that made top two. Uh, There was one lone first order list that made the cut in all three tournaments, and it made a top four. The Separatists had a top eight, a top four, and a win. And not a single Republic list made the cut in either three of these Space Jam tournaments, which I thought was kind of surprising because 
right now everybody's complaining about how overpowered force users and uh that little cheap jedi knight are yet they didn't make the cut in any of these and that's because extended is a much different beast than hyperspace i mean regen delta bees are still the best thing in extended yeah. i could yeah. have sworn there were four space Jedi. i think there was a fourth space. there was the fourth one i wasn't Australia. able to i wasn't <laughs> able to find the uh the, the on in time. Yeah, I think Octor made <laughs> he made top eight in all four of them. I yeah, believe. Uh, he oh, he top sixteen in one of them. Okay, yeah. yeah. But the uh, the winners of them, the first one, uh, Will Haywood won with Ollie's World's List of Vader, Inquisitor, and Whisper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Timo Rob won the second one with a Boba Dangar list, and not only that, Marksmanship Dangar, and we'll get to that. <laughs> and then uh, the third one, Rodrigo Danicol won it with. Uh, one of the more common separatist lists of two techno bombers with plasmas, uh, six trade federation drones with struts. Three of them have discord missiles. That's uh, a pretty good uh, assortment there. The most popular the list. Duncan popularized too. Mm-hmm. The Duncan's winning Texas list. Yep. The most popular lists out there were uh, by far Boba Fett plus one other. Uh, it, Boba, no matter what format you're looking at, is really good right now. Uh, assorted droid swarms, of course, because they're just effective however you want to configure that. And then, uh, of course, Ollie's Worlds list there, which really needs a name. Yeah. So if I had to guess, I wouldn't put too much weight into the lack of Republic showing up in these. Um, it is a little surprising that there are zero in the three turnouts we have. I'd be curious if there were any in the fourth. Um, but looking through this, I see a lot of altered hyperspace legal lists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people took hyperspace archetypes and then maybe threw in a couple extended things. Or you have things like Pocknell's list, which is just a known factor. Everybody knows it's good. List. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so if I had to guess, uh, Republic in hyperspace is a completely different beast to what it is in extended. Oh, they are yeah. different. They are different factions. Delta Seven yeah. B changes the faction. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if I had to guess, people are probably a little burnt out on Seven Bs. And true, so they're looking true. to other factions. Like they have an excuse not to run them. They did get nerfed, even if it wasn't very big. Um, and uh, there's there's plenty of other exciting things to play in extended. That's true. Uh, one of the lists. There are a couple that kind of just jumped out at me for being unique or heretofore unseen or just plain ballsy. And one of them that I really liked was the third Space Jam, the Space Jam Los Angeles uh, top eight finish from Ben Roberts, who flew. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be wonderful. Zeb Aurelios in the attack shuttle with Leia crew. Thane with servomotor S-foils. Wedge with servomotor S-foils. And Nora Wexley in the Ark. That seems like it would be a jank tank list almost. But he flew that to a top eight. And looking at that there, you're looking at uh, Nora in the Ark can be a bit of a beast when you have Leia out there who removes the arcs. Uh, I was yeah. going to say, looking at this, the only thing I'm really surprised about is that Leia's not on Nora instead of Zeb. Yeah, I, I uh, think the reason for that is because Zeb is such a low point ship that Ben probably wanted to even it out and not make Nora the target. A, a one agility ship carrying... Eh, that's misleading. With disingenuous for Nora. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> the thing is, a, so the thing is, even if she's even if she were a one agility nine health ship, she's still tankier than the four health two agility Zeb. That's that true. Is, that is, that is how average tank is. Right. We yeah. discussed that. Uh, on. But then you have Nora's pilot ability, which is, is great. The yeah. equivalent of like three defense dice instead of one. Like, <laughs> yeah, so it takes it's a guarantee. Yeah, it's adding a guarantee. Yeah. yeah. So the the fact that. Uh, been to this list, which I've never seen before. I've never actually seen anybody intentionally put a Rebel Arc on the table since 2.0 came out. And uh, there was uh, she did well at the first Coruscant. Okay. Uh, yeah, somebody that, took her up. with Luke Gunner. With Luke Gunner, just for the Force. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the thing about Nora is she's been super underplayed throughout all of 2.0, and yeah. both iterations of Nora have are really good. They have the same pilot ability. They're both I8. Not A8, that's 1.0. I5. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, uh, but it's, the thing is, people will fly Wolf, but they won't fly Nora. And yeah. Nora is so much better than Wolf in every way. Stop flying Wolf, people. Yes, that um, that's the official stance of this podcast. True. <laughs> 
I do actually want to give a quick shout out along that line to a new listener of ours, uh, Alex Xpop Pavlov, who uh, I've been on this podcast the whole time. But go ahead, <laughs> <laughs> I, I did Alex, uh, out of California. He's a newer player, become pretty well known. He listened to our uh, podcast about our most despised cards and decided to come up with a list based on it, which is uh, Matchstick with Marksmanship, Dorsal Turret, Veteran uh, Turret Gunner, R4 Astromech, and Connor Nets. Dorsal Turret's fine. <laughs> Wolf. <laughs> Wolf with Informant and Veteran Tail Gunner. Barris Offy with Brilliant Evasion and R4 Astromech. And I Kickback. <laughs> what, is it? what is a Kickback? Let me guess. He's a torrent. He is a torrent. And he is the one. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. I4. I4. Torrents go up that high? <laughs> no, I can't remember what his ability does. No. Hey, Harbor, uh, I'm sure. Uh, mind you. So, okay. Kick, okay. I'm going to Yasley. Carry on. Yeah, gonna, I got gonna, it. I got gonna, it. Gonna, After you perform a barrel roll action, you may perform a red target lock action. That's right. That's actually Which, not. It's the not worst, worst ability. ability either. Not the worst ability in the world. But he's he eight more points than a gold squadron. That's the problem. He and managed to fit almost all of our despised cards into one list, and that that took some talent. So, Xpov, thank you for uh, putting a, a a a an unwilling smile on our faces for that one. <laughs> Uh, but going back to looking at the extended list, I do have uh, one thing I can say about Ben Roberts's list. Um, mm-hmm. Is it's essentially Rebel Beef. He uh, swapped out the the Braylon and the Cassian and the Bigs for three other ships, but it basically functions <laughs> the same way as Rebel Beef. Yeah. And old Rebel um, Beef doesn't fit anymore. So yeah, exactly. True. So he he and he. What's the word? He reinvigorated Rebel Beef with Zeb. That's true. Yeah. Zeb being one of the cheapest carriers you can have for Leia out there. True. Uh, and with, still with three attack dice as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, as we saw with uh, our good buddy Greg, uh, Greg in the tank, tank, the attack shuttle is not to be slept on. That's a... Uh, I still uh, like Sabine more. Like, Sabine yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Oh, Sabine's amazing. No. Sabine's the most expensive attack shuttle. Yeah, I actually I like this list as far as you know four ship rebel jesting lists go. Uh, I just I'm surprised by the Leia on Zeb over Nora because Zeb is so much squishier that uh, it feels like weakness isn't right, but it feels like a pretty obvious first target. Mm-hmm. Nora is about equivalently tanky to Cassian if Cassian kept the two agility the whole time <laughs> because yeah, of her pilot I ability. I think Nora is even tankier on average. Indeed. Uh, but let's say Zeb is not anywhere near that. Team. Yeah. So even though Leia makes Nora more expensive, she's going to live longer. Yeah. One of the differences between this list and classic Rebel Beef is you're now looking at pilot skill 655 and Zeb. Yeah. True. That's true. Which, you have, you have, as opposed to 4433, you're at 6552. Yeah. That's an incredibly different engage than you had from the old just block and beef. Uh, so. Yo, kudos to Ben Roberts for uh, thinking a bit outside the box there. And yes, I'm you know, impressed. Like an awesome list, yeah. You know, top eight finish in a uh, Space Jam is nothing to sneeze at. I'm curious about who the Hand of Vecna is next on the list. Uh, yeah, um, that's uh, is it. The actual Hand of Vecna, because if so, he should have been disqualified for being a demon monster. Um, did did he actually have a three point bid? He didn't have anything else, Ben, on his list. Uh, that that was the list that uh, is, that's the list that's in List Fortress. Okay. Yeah, which is not that, that makes kind of makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, there's not a whole lot you do with those. Yeah, you can throw crack shots. You slap crack shots on the yeah. three. Is the, yeah. I think uh, the, the, the bid time. with you have six five five in an extended tournament is possibly worth a little more than crack shot. Uh, yeah, uh, I can see it going either way. Like, yeah, like none of these ships are particularly reactive, but in things, if you're comfortable flying first, like my fen list doesn't have a bid. I'm very comfortable flying my initiative ships before other people's high initiative ships. So I would have taken the three crash shots here. Just for me, if I'm going to be flying Nora, I want to make sure I have a bid so I can at least make sure that I can use my barrel roll if I need to to get that range one shot. I, I mean, that's fair. I would just put in a maneuver that will bump them. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm very comfortable flying from the front, so I don't feel like I need a bid, even with Nora's pilot ability. I don't feel like I would need a bid with that list. Okay. Um, that's a, that's a, that's a, a strength I feel of my own is that I'm very comfortable flying. 
high initiative ships moving before other people's high initiative ships. Fair. So uh, maybe after this, we can go look at some of uh, Ben's games offline and see how this flew. But you mentioned the Hand of Vecna and his list, an Imperial list. That was Echo with Fifth Brother Gunner, Passive Sensors, and Crack Shot, and four Scimitar Squadron pilots with Proximity Mines. If I flew that list, I would just put my Echo on those Proximity Mines accidentally. Because she's always <laughs> yeah. 45 degrees the wrong direction. <laughs> but um, A, that Echo builds the standard Whisper build put on Echo, which is totally fine. And with Crack Shot, which is not always standard. Well, Crack Shot is, since Juke went up, most people are on Crack Shot on Whisper these days. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, and then you have carpet bombing similar squadrons, which is pretty solid. <laughs> which yeah, that's uh, kind of harkens similar. back to what I played at the very beginning yeah, of 2.0. I was about to say, you flew yeah. the proton bombing. They yeah. were proton bombs back then, yeah. But, but uh, I think I was, was doing was... four of them with Suntir, I think. Yeah, and I think that's I what it was. Bombardier on them as well, which is probably unnecessary. Man, we had some good times back then. I was flying Fen, Cavill, and two Z95s with homing missiles and Fearless. <laughs> oh, man. The... Hey, man, that, that became my crossroads list. I just swapped the the Z's for quad jumpers and won a tournament. <laughs> now, looking at this list, uh, the Imperial list that made the top eight there, uh, not bad at all when you look at it. Kind of almost in concept reminds me of Doug's old Echo Rack list in that you're using a... In 1.0, a Decimator was an area denial weapon, especially with Shirano having his you know always on a 360-degree death mm-hmm. ray. With this, you've got the Scimitar Squadron pilots are out there with Prox Mines. You don't want to be anywhere in these guys' rear arc at the end of a turn because you're going to get Prox Mined the next turn, uh, especially with that wonderful uh, ability they have to chuck a Prox Mine out at a bank. That covers more distance than you think. Using the one bank out the rear guys with a Prox Mine, you might think you're not going to get hit, but that, almost like a medium base, will always fit, and it will always be in the most disadvantageous spot for you. Yeah. I if, wish. Bob if you're not afraid to drop those, those prox mines, like, even if you're not 100% sure they fit, like, that's a ton of area denial potential. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I wish people played TIE Bombers more. They're a cool ship. They are. Exactly. And, I, I wish they played them as bombers more. As bombers, specifically. Yeah. Right, and this is what we're seeing here. We're seeing that, you know, this is a straight-up bomb area denial list with uh, Echo... Do you call Echo an ace? Echo's Echo's a good closer. Echo's a flanker, a hunter. Uh, I would call him a pocket ace. Echo is you can... um, When Nova last year happened, the winning winning list had Echo in it. It was Echo, Vader, and that uh, target lock. Oh, yeah, it was Psy, wasn't it? But all you did with Echo was leave her cloaked and bait with her. And if you can use that Echo in a similar way here and bait people into places where they're going to get hit by multiple prox mines, and then you yeah. just clean up with Echo afterwards, that seems like a really strong win condition. Yeah, I, so, I so the big like thing that. is you, you cloak with them constantly, and then as soon as they ignore Echo, you get behind them and are shooting them constantly. Because it's really uh, easy for Echo to get behind things. Yeah, if you haven't played against an Echo, it's that is a slippery freaking ship. Played against many Echoes. When <laughs> 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 one point, Echo was Doug's favorite ship for context. <laughs> true, true. So, yeah, uh, I like this list. That's neat. Yeah, I do. I, do I think like it requires a lot of skill. Like, oh, straight that's up. That's not an easy list to play. It doesn't out-joust anything. It doesn't out-ace anything. Nope. It's, uh, it, the it's, win conditions are tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like, actually, some of the most interesting lists all came out of Space Jam Los Angeles, the top eight, because... The other one I wanted to point out there was the number two list, Bryant Francis, who brought a three-ship resistance list that included ZZ Tuo, who is good, we know this. Amazing, phenomenal. Heroic crack shot and advanced optics. That's just an amazing ship right there. Uh, Kova Nell with heroic Leia and R4 Astromech. I don't like Kova, but I think I'm in the minority here. Uh well, I think the big thing is in the context of extended and particularly in this list, you get Leia with Ray, which is absolutely insane. Indeed. Yeah. And then the the third ship being Ray with Rose Tico, Freelance Slicer, Freelance Slicer making an appearance, Finn Gunner, Dead Man Switch, and the Ray Falcon title. Uh Freelance Slicer, one of those cards that if I didn't have if someone at LVO had not given me a freelance slicer card with Babu Frick on it. I would have no idea what Freelance Slicer does. Someone knows something uh, I don't. 
I have actually seen this a bit in St. Louis. Uh, Mark Myers loves Ray to death and runs her a lot, and he's talked about Freeland Slicer before. Uh, it, especially it makes with a lot Rose, of sense when you look at it, yeah. yeah so, so yeah, Rose, it actually seems really solid. Yeah, when you wait with Rose, uh, after you perform an attack or defend, you can remove a blank result to pick up a target lock on that ship, uh, and then freelance slicer for those that don't know, because who would? Uh, you can True. spin the lock while, well, you, <laughs> while you defend before attack dice are roll. You may spend a lock on the attack on the attacker to roll one attack die. If you do, the attacker gains one one jam token. Then on a hit or crit result, gain one jam token. Yep, that yeah. actually seems really solid on Ray with so Rose. Basically, it's spend one of your dice with Rose to jam your opponent for right before they get to modify their ship. That that's just it's kind uh, of Seymour's ability, but you have to spend a target lock for it. And you could jam yourself. To jam yourself. But, but even if you with, do jam yourself, you can just re-pick up the lock with Rose after the attack is over. Yep. Or after you roll the blank. Or get rid of the jam token at the end of the round. Yeah, and so the big thing is it's on Ray. So you have force mods, so you don't yeah. super care about losing a token. Yep, indeed. Yeah, actually, I think that's super solid on Ray. Actually, I am impressed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that right there, I looked at that list, and the first thing I thought of was, shouldn't this be bad? And then I started looking at all the pieces and going, wait, 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 hold on. No, 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 wait, hold on. Hold, wait, what? Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, if you trade Ray and Kova for 140 points of their list, ZZ's going to close that game. Yeah, like easy uh, can kill one chip in time. And Ray is actually really good at closing out games too, for being a large base turret because of uh, her title. And then yeah. Finn and Rose, like she's gonna yep. hit like a truck the entire game. And gonna and always gonna be pointed at you. Yeah. The thing that kind of made me raise an eyebrow was Dead Man's switch in there. But this again is a list that does not have any reason to fly in formation or even remotely close to each other. Uh, Kova is going to be doing her stop reverse, stop reverse shenanigans. Ray is going to be the one up there beefing it, trying to get those range one shots on people because that just, it's like the old 1.0 chainsaw Ray. And then ZZ can be anywhere she wants, shooting anything she wants, like she's a zippy little. ZZ stuff. I think I would, I would run contraband over Dead Man's if it were me, uh, but Dead Man's yeah. is fine. Yeah, I, I, people love Dead Man Switch, and I'm not going to take that from them because we did that episode already and it wasn't on the list. Yeah, <laughs> Contraband in this list, I think when you have Leia available, Contraband is not as necessary. I think you you misunderstand Ray's ability to, to pick up stress. <laughs> Fair point. So. Like Contraband is just an amazing card in general, and slap it in your open, in, uh, your open illicit slots. Just shove that Contraband right in the hold. Mm-hmm. I lost the metaphor. <laughs> cybernetics. Shove it right in cybernetics. Yeah, I forgot they were cybernetics specifically. Um, put them in your body, I guess. Is that how that works? <laughs> I would assume so. Yeah. yeah I <laughs> understood how contraband cybernetics make you it's illegal your... augmentation. It's yeah, L three. They let you handle your stress better once. Well, yeah, because you. Well, they're contraband. Like a, they're not super reliable. A stimulus shot that goes into your brain, like boom! I understand everything. And then it goes away, and then you're like, Bleh. and then you're still stressed out. That's just what playing next week is like for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still stressed out, indeed. So again, most of these uh, Space Jam, uh, a lot of the highlight games are going up on the Gold Squadron YouTube page. So go check some of those out. Watching uh, Tabletop Simulator is actually pretty cool, especially when there's commentary over it. So that's uh, a neat thing that they've made available. Props to Dion and everybody involved in that uh props provisionally withdrawn with uh noting that the very first space jam was won by uh will haywood against ryan staniszewski in the final match pretty so, suspicious pretty, yeah. gold, squadron. Uh, gold squadron we're kind of calling you out a little bit here to just come on our podcast one. and justify yourself dion <laughs> <laughs> i love that you think dion listens to our podcast hey man <laughs> that's yeah, kind of awesome personal movie. friend of mine and doug's he has a Mocan Moisture Farmer shirt. He's, he's always, he's always he has, scoping out the competition. He has True. worn that Mocan Moisture Farmer shirt, I can confirm. So. True. Like, he wore it while Doug won Crossroads. Indeed. So, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. yeah but seriously, Dion, come on our podcast and <laughs> So there are, again, like I said, go out, watch those, uh, get your fix out there. Those places that are uh, having stores open up to play X-Wing, 
If you're doing so in a safe and responsible manner, we encourage everybody to start when it's right for you. Get back into it. Uh, like I said, I, I got a game in last week, and guys, it felt really good after three okay, months. I, I'm going out tomorrow. Yeah, same. Hey, I need to get out of the house. Um, mentally. Like it's, I got to spend a couple hours away from the house and that's a good safe way. We have our store location where it's X-Wing only so we can control who comes in and out and we can know that we're safe and, and social like, distance and wear masks. And absolutely a major shout out to game cafe in independence, Missouri for setting up a safe and well-kept location for not only X-Wing players, but on other nights they have board game night up there. Uh, some magic set up in a way that people can maintain a reasonable social distancing and enjoy the game. They're requiring masks. Yeah, they are requiring masks. Well, our our entire county has it tomorrow. That time, am I right, fellas? Indeed. Um, I'm going to take a major controversial stance here and say, wear a freaking mask, y'all. Yeah, uh, that's going to be our PSA this week. It takes nothing to wear a mask. (laughs) The point is, it's common decency, man. Just be a little bit, be a little selfless, and wear a freaking mask. You know, it's the easiest selfless act you can do. It, it's, is, it costs you not, Well, it costs you the price of a mask, which is pretty. Which for me, was a dollar ninety nine today. Like, <laughs> I'll bring it up. Uh, so yeah, there's nothing to be lost from showing respect and taking care of not only your fellow players but everybody who's around. Uh, this is just a little thing you can do to help flatten that curve. We've failed at it for the last three months. Let's. Yeah, we're yep. back. We're actually we're worse than when we started. We're, we're worse than when we started, folks. Uh, um, let's let's try to wrap this up in the next three months so I can go to Worlds. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wear, wear, your yeah. wear your mask so we can get some actual content out there, people. True. <laughs> also, like again, it's comedy. See, it's not hard to be a decent person. So that's what you think. Absolutely. Also, uh, black lives still matter. Um, true. Anything there else is. we can say that might piss people off? Nah, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. The world is. Figuratively, figuratively, and uh, in some places, literally, still on fire. Uh, <laughs> kind to each other. Sad, yeah. Sad Australian noises. <laughs> <laughs> be kind to each other. Respect each other. Uh, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. <laughs> also, Hamilton this weekend. Excited to see that for the first Hamilton time. Hamilton releasing on Disney Plus. Shout out to Disney Plus there. Uh, in addition, uh, do we have any other uh, shout outs besides Disney Plus in our local Not store? Now. My father got help. <laughs> I already got it. You lose. He's my dad out. now. <laughs> Falcon King Bob Howe, uh, let's hurry up and get this uh, COVID over with so we can sit across the table from Bob again. Bob's one of uh, – I've had the chance to play against him now twice and uh, lost to him both times, so I need to get my mojo back. Uh, Poor Bob. So Doug and I, about half the time we go to a tournament, we play Bob. Unfortunately for Bob, that means 100% of the time he's out of tournament, yeah. he plays either I, me or Doug. I know there was a string in 1.0 where it was literally like eight or nine tournaments in a row. He played one of us. Yep. Like, Yeah, it's it's been a hilarious little internecine rivalry there. Uh, we haven't been to many tournaments locally where we didn't get matched. I think, were there any St. Louis people at Crossroads this last year? Nope, none of them can make it this year. That's right. That was the first time we traveled for a tournament and not had to play a St. Louis person. So. Which was impressive because we drove through St. Louis to get there. All right. Uh, so, yeah, Game Cafe, Bob Howe. Uh, Alex, any other uh, shout-outs we should give out there? Why are you asking me? I'm the one to shout out Bob. Ask Doug. <laughs> Greg! Greg! Our, our once-in-future guest. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've got uh, a lot to be kind of conscience of as we're going back into the swing of things. Uh, take care of each other. Be good to each other. Play fair X-Wing. Remember your win conditions for Tashi Station. I am Matt Newt. I'm Doug Howe. And I am still Alex Smittle. Apparently that's the thing now, so we're going with that. <laughs> hey everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tashi Station Radio. If you liked what you've heard, subscribe and keep up with episodes as they're released. You can also find us on social media on Facebook at Tashi Station Radio, on Twitter at Tashi Station XW, and on Twitch at Tashi Station X-Wing. If you'd like to help out with our hosting costs, you can go to co-fi.com slash Tashi Station X-Wing and toss us a buck or two. It's really appreciated. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and hit subscribe. Yubby yub.